Greetings, everybody. Today is May 10th, and I'm delighted to have you with us on the One Year Bible Tour. Welcome to our podcast. My name is David McAdam, and I'm honored to be reading the scriptures aloud and serving as your tour guide. We're making our way through the 66 books of the Bible in a year, reading a daily portion from the Old Testament, the New Testament, as well as dipping into the reflective waters of the book of Psalms and drawing from the wisdom of the book of Proverbs. We get a much-needed perspective as we witness the unfolding of God's redemptive work in history in the Bible. We're in the book of 1 Samuel today. The old order of the judges is passing away, and the new order of kings is dawning. We are also benefiting from the progressive disclosure of God's eternal purpose as we read through the Scriptures. His ultimate goal of summing up all things in Christ is in view, for Christ is the King of all kings. Samuel continues to rule as a judge in Israel, and then he appoints his sons to be judges, and their failure only highlights what we have been learning about the need of the human race for true and full redemption. We're learning that the redemption we need will not come through the corrupted seed of fallen man, but the incorruptible seed of the perfect man, the Word made flesh. We get to see that man, Jesus of Nazareth, in the Gospel of John. John refers to him as the Word. He is the perfect and full articulation of deity in terms of flesh and blood humanity. In today's reading from the Old Testament, the hearts of God's people are still turned away from their true King, the one true eternal God, the Maker of heaven and earth. Instead, they want a king like the surrounding nations. Yesterday we read of the people in Jesus' day who wanted to take him by force and make him that kind of king, but he would not have it. His kingdom is not of this world. Let's go now to the book of 1 Samuel and continue reading. We'll be reading chapters 8 and 9 today. 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 1. Israel demands a king. When Samuel became old, he made his sons judges over Israel. The name of his firstborn son was Joel, and the name of his second, Abijah. They were judges in Beersheba. Yet his sons did not walk in his ways, but turned aside after gain. They took bribes and perverted justice. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, Behold, you are old, and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now appoint for us a king to judge us, like all the nations." But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed to the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, Obey the voice of the people in all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. According to all the deeds that they have done, from the day I brought them up out of Egypt even to this day, forsaking me and serving other gods, so they are also doing to you. Now then, obey their voice. Only you shall solemnly warn them and show them the ways of the king who shall reign over them. So Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who were asking for a king from him. He said, These will be the ways of the king who will reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them to his chariots and to be his horsemen and to run before his chariots. And he will appoint for himself commanders of thousands and commanders of fifties, and some to plow his ground and to reap his harvest, and to make his implements of war and the equipment of his chariots. He will take your daughters to be perfumers and cooks and bakers. He will take the best of your fields and vineyards and olive orchards and give them to his servants. He will take the tenth of your grain 
and of your vineyards, and give it to his officers and to his servants. He will take your male servants and female servants, and the best of your young men and your donkeys, and put them to his work. He will take the tenth of your flocks, and you shall be his slaves. And in that day you will cry out because of your king, whom you have chosen for yourselves. But the Lord will not answer you in that day. But the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel. And they said, No, but there shall be a king over us, that we also may be like all the nations, and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. And when Samuel had heard all the words of the people, he repeated them in the ears of the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, Obey their voice and make them a king. Samuel then said to the men of Israel, Go every man to his city. Chapter 9 There was a man of Benjamin, whose name was Kish, the son of Abiel, son of Zeror, son of Bekorath, son of Aphia, a Benjaminite, a man of wealth. And he had a son whose name was Saul, a handsome young man. There was not a man among the people of Israel more handsome than he. From his shoulders upward he was taller than any of the people. Now the donkeys of Kish, Saul's father, were lost. So Kish said to Saul his son, Take one of the young men with you, and arise, go and look for the donkeys. And he passed through the hill country of Ephraim, and passed through the land of Shalisha, but they did not find them. And they passed through the land of Shaalim, but they were not there. Then they passed through the land of Benjamin, but did not find them. When they came to the land of Zuf, Saul said to his servant who was with him, Come, let us go back, lest my father cease to care about the donkeys and become anxious about us. But he said to him, Behold, there is a man of God in this city, and he is a man who is held in honor. All that he says comes true. So now let us go there. Perhaps he can tell us the way we should go. Then Saul said to his servant, But if we go, what can we bring the man? For the bread in our sacks is gone, and there is no present to bring to the man of God. What do we have? The servant answered Saul again, Here, I have with me a quarter of a shekel of silver, and I will give it to the man of God to tell us our way. Formerly in Israel, when a man went to inquire of God, he said, Come, let us go to the seer. For today's prophet was formerly called a seer. And Saul said to his servant, Well said, Come, let us go. So they went to the city where the man of God was. As they went up the hill to the city, they met young women coming out to draw water, and said to them, Is the seer here? They answered, He is. Behold, he is just ahead of you. Hurry, he has come just now to the city, because the people have a sacrifice today on the high place. As soon as you enter the city you will find him, before he goes up to the high place to eat. For the people will not eat till he comes, since he must bless the sacrifice. Afterward those who are invited will eat. Now go up, for you will meet him immediately. So they went up to the city. As they were entering the city, they saw Samuel coming toward them on his way up to the high place. Now the day before Saul came, the Lord had revealed to Samuel, Tomorrow about this time I will send to you a man from the land of Benjamin, and you shall anoint him to be prince over my people Israel. He shall save my people from the hand of the Philistines, for I have seen my people, because their cry has come to me. When Samuel saw Saul, the Lord told him, Here is the man of whom I spoke to you. He it is who shall restrain my people. 
Then Saul approached Samuel in the gate and said, Tell me, where is the house of the seer? Samuel answered Saul, I am the seer. Go up before me to the high place, for today you shall eat with me, and in the morning I will let you go and tell you all that is on your mind. As for your donkeys that were lost three days ago, do not set your mind on them, for they have been found. And for whom is all that is desirable in Israel? Is it not for you and for all your father's house? Saul answered, Am I not a Benjaminite from the least of the tribes of Israel? And is not my clan the humblest of all the clans of the tribe of Benjamin? Why then have you spoken to me in this way? Then Samuel took Saul and his young man and brought them into the hall and gave them a place at the head of those who had been invited, who were about thirty persons. And Samuel said to the cook, Bring the portion I gave you, of which I said to you, Put it aside. So the cook took up the leg and what was on it and set them before Saul. And Samuel said, See what was kept is set before you. Eat, because it was kept for you until the hour appointed, that you might eat with the guests. So Saul ate with Samuel that day, and when they came down from the high place into the city, a bed was spread for Saul on the roof, and he lay down to sleep. Then, at the break of dawn, Samuel called to Saul on the roof, Up, that I may send you on your way. So Saul arose, and both he and Samuel went out into the street. As they were going down to the outskirts of the city, Samuel said to Saul, Tell the servant to pass on before us, and when he has passed on, stop here yourself for a while, that I may make known to you the word of God. And this is the end of today's portion from the Old Testament, the book of First Samuel. Let's take a few moments to reflect upon what we've just read. Samuel's sons were appointed as judges over Israel, but they proved themselves to be greedy for money. They accepted bribes and perverted justice. The Israelites confronted Samuel with their disappointment in the quality of the behavior of his sons. They were concerned that now they lacked good leadership. But rather than turning to the Lord for his wisdom, they turned to the example of other nations and desired to imitate them by establishing a king. Israel's turning to the nations for guidance and demanding a king was prophesied in the book of the law given to Moses. Deuteronomy chapter 17, verses 14 and 15. When you enter the land which the Lord your God gives you, and you possess it and live in it, and you say, I will set a king over me like all the nations who are around me. So now that prophesied time in history has arrived. Samuel is very upset by this request, and unlike his fellow Israelites, he goes to the Lord for guidance. In 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 6, the Lord gives Samuel a warning to pass on to the people. By leaning on their own understanding and aspiring to be like the other nations, they continued in their pattern of rejecting their God and servicing idols instead. He clarifies that in desiring a king like that of the other nations, they were rejecting the Lord. The Lord told Samuel, They don't want me to be their king any longer. 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 7 Samuel was not to take the people's rejection personally. Samuel was to pass on the warning that their kings would bring oppression, draft their sons into their armies, take their sons and daughters into hard labor as slaves to sustain their lavish lifestyle and support the prosperity of his government officials. Their king will demand a tithe, that is a tenth of their harvest and flocks. Chapter 9 introduces the people's choice for a king. Saul. In chapter 16, we will be introduced to God's choice. David. 
Saul was the most handsome man in Israel, standing a head taller than anyone else. He represents all that the people were looking for in a king. He was the image, the brand, voted most likely to succeed in representing Israel to the other nations. People would now look to the king of Israel rather than to the God of Israel. Our first glimpse of Saul reveals that he is nothing like the self-sacrificing shepherd we shall see in Israel's future, King David. Saul is searching for his father's stray donkeys. It is a search that he easily gives up. His care for others does not go far. Rather than personally seeking God, Saul experiments by turning to any person who claims to mediate the mind of God to man, the seers. Later in his life, we will see Saul consulting with a witch. In this case, Saul happens to meet a true seer, Samuel. The Lord has already shown Samuel that Saul is the man that the people are asking for and that he will be instrumental in furthering the nation's deliverance from the Philistines. Samuel tells Saul that he and his family are now the focus of all of Israel's hopes. In verse 19, Saul attempts to skirt this responsibility by claiming that he was from the least important family in the smallest tribe of Israel. Immediately, in obedience to the Lord, Samuel shows Saul the honor of a king. He is given a special place at the table with thirty men in a large hall. The Hebrew word for hall is almost always used for a room in the sanctuary or temple. In this case, it was on a sacred place on a hill outside Ramah. Saul is given a special piece of meat, the leg of a sacrifice that was normally reserved for priests. In Leviticus chapter 7, verse 33. On the following day, Saul will privately be anointed as king. Samuel tells Saul to dismiss his servant so that Samuel can spend some time to make known to him the word of God. May we all, likewise, take time, when we can, to stop for a while and ask the Holy Spirit to make the word of God known to us. Now let's read from today's portion from the New Testament, John chapter 6, verses 22 through 42. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Chapter 6, verse 22. On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had only been one boat there and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum, seeking Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, Then what sign do you do, that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, It was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, 
and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. So the Jews grumbled about him, because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? And this concludes today's reading from the New Testament, the Gospel of John. Rather than seeking Jesus because the sign events indicated that he was the Messiah, the Son of God, people sought Jesus because of the material benefits that he provided, food in their bellies and healing to the sick. Jesus challenged them to look beyond the temporary, perishable provisions of food and healing to the eternal life that he, as the Son of Man, can give. John chapter 6, verse 27. We want to perform God's works too, they replied. They missed the point of the miracles. Jesus answered them and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. John chapter 6, verse 29. They also misunderstood the events of the Old Testament, as if Moses did the miracles. Jesus explained that it was his Father who did the miracles then, and it was the Father who was doing the miracles now through the Son. Secondly, they kept looking for something to be the satisfier of their hunger other than Jesus himself. The claim is outlandish but true. If we believe on Christ, come to him for salvation, we will never again be hungry or thirsty. Thirdly, he gives the promise that all who believe in him will not only be satisfied in heart, mind, and soul, but will be raised up on the last day. A further claim Jesus makes is that he came down from heaven. He claims his pre-existence with God. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. John chapter 6, verse 38. The people find these claims difficult to swallow and proceed to back off murmuring and unbelief, as did their ancestors in the wilderness. They were saying, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? John chapter 6, verse 42. Now let's go to the Bible's songbook, the book of Psalms. Psalm 106. We're continuing to read from verse 32 through verse 48. They angered him at the waters of Meribah, and it went ill with Moses on their account for they had made his spirit bitter, and he spoke rashly with his lips. They did not destroy the peoples as the Lord commanded them, but they mixed with the nations and learned to do as they did. They served their idols, which became a snare to them. They sacrificed their sons and their daughters to the demons. They poured out innocent blood, the blood of their sons and daughters whom they sacrificed to the idols of Canaan, and the land was polluted with blood. Thus they became unclean by their acts, and played the whore in their deeds. Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against his people, and he abhorred his heritage. He gave them into the hand of the nations, so that those who hated them ruled over them. Their enemies oppressed them, 
and they were brought into subjection under their power. Many times he delivered them, but they were rebellious in their purposes and were brought low through their iniquity. Nevertheless, he looked upon their distress when he heard their cry. For their sake he remembered his covenant and relented according to the abundance of his steadfast love. He caused them to be pitied by all who held them captive. Save us, O Lord our God, and gather us from among the nations, that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. And let all the people say, Amen. Praise the Lord. This reading from the book of Psalms takes us right back to the Israelites murmuring due to the lack of water in the wilderness. They angered the Lord and caused Moses much trouble, causing him to speak foolishly and strike the rock. The sins of unbelief are listed in verses 34 through 39. The consequence was God's chastisement in which he handed Israel over to the domination of pagan nations. Yet even in chastisement, God's mercy shines through. Verse 47 is the cry for deliverance, Save us, O Lord our God. Save us, O Lord our God, and gather us from among the nations to give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. Psalm 106, verse 47. The psalm concludes with an exultant call to worship. Let the people say, Amen, praise the Lord. And now we turn to the Bible's treasure chest of wisdom, the book of Proverbs. We read today Proverbs chapter 14, verses 34 and 35. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. A servant who deals wisely has the king's favor, but his wrath falls on one who acts shamefully. We see this proverb exemplified in the history of Israel and the nations of the world and all its leaders. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a disgrace to any people. The proverb that follows reminds us that an employee's competence and diligence can go a long way towards gaining their employer's favor, whereas incompetence and laziness, indiscretions and repeated ineptitude rightfully earns his displeasure. Now let's pray together. Father, we thank you for calling us into the fellowship of your Son and for the access he has given into your presence. He has solved the leadership crisis in our souls. We need the rule of our shepherd king, lest we lean on our own understanding and turn towards the idolatrous leanings of our own nature. Thank you for the Holy Spirit, who enthrones his rule of righteousness, peace, and joy in our hearts. Be exalted, O God, in every area of our lives, in our nation, and in this world, through the transforming power of your gospel. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you once again for being a part of this Bible reading community. We hope that you are being edified as you read through the scriptures, and we look forward to being with you tomorrow, God willing. If you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. You can write us an email at podcast at newlife.org. And if you'd like to know more about New Life Community Church and its ministries, you can visit our website, newlife.org. Until then, shalom and God be with you.